The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara. We are here in Providence on the 19th of December, on the holiday right around the corner. Bill, Bill Koch is here. Bill, how are you? Kevin, great to be with you. The college basketball season is uh, in its, well, I say it's about to take a little break, you know, grabbing a few games here before the Christmas holiday, and then we got conference play right around the corner, and we're going to look at uh, the start of both the Big East and the Atlantic 10 seasons uh, with both PC and URI wrapping up their non-conference. We're going to start with the Friars today, who last night were 73-43 winners over Albany. And I think, as I, as I wrote in today's journal, uh, that's it, fellas. You know, no, no more non-conference walk in the parks. It's time for the iron uh, for the Friars. And uh, last night was was a really odd game. First of all, Bill, you know, a, a Tuesday the week before Christmas. Fans don't really care. There's no students. It's tough to get the players from Providence, anyways, up and going. And they, they were bad in the first half. Ed Cooley went out of his way to say, well, well, we were very good defensively for the whole game. Yes, you were, but you also scored 23 points on 24% shooting in the first half. And you wondered at halftime, what the heck is going on here? And things changed in the second half, but I know you, you watched the game as well. Yeah, and uh, actually the announced team on the game last night, one of which was our good friend uh, Vin Parisi, mm. made note of the atmosphere at the dunk, you know, made note of the fact that there were no students there, that it was a very light crowd, and, and that it was probably the perfect scenario for Albany to play a road game because mm-hmm. it didn't really feel like a road game. Uh, Providence's energy in the first half reflected that. In the second half, you would imagine that Ed Cooley might have had some choice words uh, in the Friar locker room, and his team responded, certainly. Uh, you know, he does make a good point. When you hold the opposing team to about a point a minute, that's pretty good. Um, you also were led by Alpha Diallo. Again, another double-double, 20 points, 10 rebounds. When you're in the mud, you're sort of not playing well, and you're stuck for some inspiration that's where you like to see that guy step forward and I think he did a lot of things in the second half that we're becoming accustomed to seeing him do out there he did he did and you know as I sat down and wrote the game story afterwards I'm like well do I really want to emphasize how badly they played in the first half or just they just wanted to get through the game and I think they just wanted to get through the game especially with you know, they go to the University of Texas on Friday, national TV game, you know, blah, blah, blah. Certainly a high uh, leveraged, you know, exciting opportunity and versus a game where you show up and, you know, there's no fans around and you're playing Albany and you're 17-point favorites. So I'll cut them some slack for that first half. Second half, they completely dominated. Uh, clearly, Ed Cooley was on them at the half to, 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 to work harder on offense. He started uh, Nate Watson in the second half. Although he only touched the ball once, it was very clear that they were looking to really run their stuff instead of you know freelance. I guess you could say in the first half. And that that said, you know they missed a ton of shots around the rim. Uh, they end, only ended up with twenty six points in the paint, which is just not enough uh, against a team you know like Albany with no inside inside juice. I will say that uh, very encouraged by the play of Malik White um, since AJ Reeves went out with a foot injury. Uh, Malik has stepped in and, and looked really good. He had 18 against Central Connecticut on Sunday, 16 and four assists last night against Albany. Uh, again, 
great, good, Central Connecticut and Albany. Now they go to Texas, and we'll find out if they really miss A.J. Reeves. Yeah, at the very least, though, Malik White has been able to get his feet under him. Last week on the podcast, we talked about who was going to take those minutes, and more importantly, who was going to make up the production for A.J. Reeves. Uh, And I think Ed Cooley's point last night was a good one in terms of singling out Malik White as the true combo guard that he is. He can take away some of the ball-handling responsibility from David Duke. That's nice. And he's also made shots in these last two games and been able to score it a little bit. Um, so he he might be a little bit of a unique matchup in, in the backcourt, especially if they decide to go small and, and say, you know, play Duke and Malik White and, you know, maybe off the bench, Makai Ashton Langford. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you don't feel so bad about those three guys playing together uh, all at once. I, I, I always felt like going forward with Reeves out, you needed something from White, Ashton Langford and Drew Edwards. You need at least two of those guys to produce on a given night. Mm-hmm. And I think last night, you know, Malik White had his second straight good game in a row, and Makai Ashton Langford had five assists, which was a team high. Yeah, seven points and five assists for Makai. His uh, season has been jump started by this opportunity with Reeves out, and for two games in a row, he's played well. And uh, I wouldn't say it's surprising, it's just, you know, about time, I guess we could say. You know, uh, Makai's minutes have been limited through much of the uh, non-conference season, but he, he just hasn't merited uh, more minutes in, in the you know, time he's out there because he's turned the ball all over an awful lot. He had three turnovers last night. That's too many in 22 minutes, but he is a very important player because he's basically backing up both Malik White and Alpha Diallo. There was one player last night who was disappointing, Isaiah Jackson, after really shooting it well against Central Connecticut. Uh, he, he had that, you know, I need to do it again look. Uh, and took some some very difficult three point shot uh, shots and only was uh, one, finished one for seven for only four points. Uh, obviously, a very important player for the Friars. He's their six man energy guy off the bench. Um, you know, vital piece. Uh, their rotation is basically uh, down to seven guys. Drew Edwards played eleven minutes last night, but. Uh, uh, you know, definitely in deep reserve. Well, and that's the risk, obviously. When you have starting players out, reserves might feel like they need to do a little bit more. Uh, you know, and coaches would tell you that they want their players to just go out and do what they've been doing. They might just play a few more minutes, but but don't try to turn into something that you're not. And and if you're Isaiah Jackson, you're sort of hunting and pecking for spots to to affect the game, whether it's making an open shot or rebounding, or defending. He's a pretty good defender. He can guard, shooting guard, small forward, sometimes even undersized power forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so trying to be a big-time scorer, you know, maybe go off for 12, 15 points in a game, that's not necessarily his forte. And, and I would think that Ed Cooley would probably talk to him before the Texas game and say, what you gave us against Rhode Island, for example, is what we're looking for, you know, just sort of that ten point ish, five rebound ish. You make a couple open threes when the game comes to you. Really uh, stout defense. Yeah, that's what they need him to do. Not necessarily go out and take seven, eight, or nine shots and try to score fifteen points. Mm-hmm. Bill, we're going to double back on the rest of the Friars' week and uh, uh, looking ahead a little bit to the Big East, but. Um, I do want to jump to URI and kind of bring people up to speed there. You saw a really encouraging effort, I thought, by the Rams on Sunday. I watched from afar and was, you know, 
be honest with you, I thought the first half was never going to end. I think it, I think it was an hour and ten minutes. Yes. Uh, well, I got the stats right here, so we can spit them out. They were a combined thirty fouls in the first half, which is always great for TV watchers. Mm. Um, and you know, that, I'm going to really attribute that to West Virginia and the way they play and the way they foul. Uh, you have to be able to play physical without fouling, and West Virginia has not mastered that art yet this season. Uh, both teams in foul trouble, but Rhode Island was the one who answered the call in the second half with the game on the line uh, in an 83-70 to win over a West Virginia team that had better improve really quickly or else they're going to have some trouble in the Big 12. Uh, but that's their problems. Uh, Rhode Island needed a, a really good win, and uh, they feel really good about themselves as they fly out to uh, Hawaii for a holiday tournament. Yeah, I thought it was very impressive. Uh, and, and you saw some really encouraging signs, You know, not only out of the guys who have come back from last year, but but also some of the young guys. Um, you know, obviously Jermaine Harris was in foul trouble throughout this game, still managed 11 points. Tyrese Martin had seven off the bench, and, you know, they just looked more comfortable out there. They looked a lot more cohesive as a unit, and, and I think that allows the older guys to sort of settle in and just play the roles that they're accustomed to playing. Jeff Doughton was excellent in this game. Um, you know, 18 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Fats Russell had it reined in a little bit in this game. He also had 18 points. Cyril Andrevine in foul trouble early, played all 20 minutes in the second half, had 10 of his 15 points and all six of his rebounds in the second half. Uh, you know, Rody got a, a little bit of a break with Sagaba Kanate not playing. Uh, Bob Huggins was none too pleased about that. Apparently the decision was made uh, either the day before or the day of by one of Kanate's family members that his right knee was going to be too sore to take the court. Hmm. Uh, Huggins addressed that in the postgame rather saltily, as is his nature. So the team trainer was involved but maybe not enough maybe didn't have the final say it's interesting um you know and obviously rhode island took advantage of that inside no uh, question. you know it's 42 to 40 in rebounding west virginia out rebounding rhode island but maybe not by the margin that you would expect from a bigger stronger team i think the stat that jumps out more is uh, Kanade, uh, for people who don't know, is one of the best shot blockers in the country. Rhode Island had 44 points in the paint to only 24 for West Virginia. No one would have predicted a 20-point spread in, in, in that stat coming into the game, and, and I think that's where he was missed. But uh, again, that's West Virginia's problems. I, I wasn't sure that Rhode Island could score well, 83 points against a Big 12 team uh, with only 20 free throws. Uh, I'm actually surprised as I, as I you know, look at the box once again. For some reason, I thought the, the free throws were even higher. Uh, to only make five three-pointers uh, and 20 free throws, that you know, 29 field goals is pretty impressive against a team like West Virginia. Yep, the 17 assists on 29 field goals was, was excellent. Uh, that was the second most they've had this season. And then just nine turnovers uh, against a team in West Virginia that has been in the national top two each of the last four years in turnover percentage forced. Uh, where, where have you gone, Daxter Miles and, uh, and, Javon, and Carter. Javon Carter? Because their guard play was, I mean, Rhode Island's guards were way better. Not yeah. even close. James Bolden had a nightmare in this game. He only had one point. He was 0 for 8 from the field. And Rhode Island really, really made their move when Bolden picked up his fourth personal foul with 9.59 to go. Uh, Rhodey outscored West Virginia 22-11 to the rest of the way. That was a 61-59 game at that point. Um, and you 
could just see it was it was similar to what Rhode Island has done the last two years in March. Their backcourt dominated the opposing backcourt. That was the difference in the game. And, you know, this gives them some real confidence going out to Hawaii and, and sets up a real opportunity for them. If they're able to get past Bucknell in the first game, uh, which they will be favored in, yep. you could end up playing TCU, who's in the top 30, according to Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. And if the other side of the bracket breaks right and you manage to get into the championship game, you could play Colorado, who's in the top 70 in Ken Palm. If for some reason Rhode Island comes back from Hawaii 8-3 and three, and they've beaten those two teams... Oh. We might have to start talking about an at-large break. Yeah, no, that's a different level. If they go out and win the, uh, uh, what is it called these days? They, they changed the name I think out it's there. The Diamond Head Classic. Diamond Head Classic it used to be the Outrigger something or other because yeah. that's a I'm sure a nice hotel on the beach in uh, in Honolulu. Uh, and they play at the University of Hawaii. This event, the Stan Sheriff Center. Yep. And the Rainbows are in the uh, in the show. They are. They're on the opposite side of the bracket. There is television for this event because it's been in the past on, I think, maybe CBS. This will be on the ESPN Family Networks. It will be. Um, The opening game against Bucknell on the 22nd, which is Saturday, will be on ESPN 3, uh, which you can catch online. Um, And then TCU will play Charlotte on the other side of Rhode Island's uh, half of the bracket. Charlotte will have a familiar face in Malik Martin, the younger brother of Hassan Martin. Ah. So for the roadie fans who might be making the trip or watching the game, um, that is young Malik, and, and you might hope that he has a good game and that TCU still wins because yeah. you, you want to see the Horn Frogs in that second one. That's the reason you're going. No question. You, you, the, these tournaments are all about opportunities because you can't get these teams to come to the Ryan Center and uh, you know play a home-and-home home against you. So the chance to, to uh, do that. And, and Bill, d- jumping ahead, uh, we've – Killed the Rams a little bit on this podcast about their lack of games. Uh, we've finally come to the end of that run. They're going to play three games in four days, and then Middle Tennessee is that the twenty eighth, thirtieth, thirtieth. Yes. So they'll have uh, four games in uh, you know a week or so, and then uh, just tell people how we're going to start the Atlantic Ten as well, which is not easy. Well, a, a tough start. Two on the road immediately. Your opener is at St. Louis, uh, a team that. You know, several people have picked to win the league, um, you know, preseason. And then you go to Richmond, which, you know, Richmond has had its struggles. There's no question. Uh, there's unrest there in terms of uh, head coach Chris Mooney. Uh, there are a lot of people there who are not happy with him. And that's what happens when you lose to Longwood, hmm. Hampton, and Oral Roberts. Okay. Uh, not a great start. But Richmond is a place where Rhode Island went last time, was two seasons ago. Uh, and had a really, really difficult night. I remember that in a seventy-three, sixty-two loss. Um, you know that was earlier on in the season. That was before the debacle against Fordham. Uh, that was before you know the nine-game winning streak that went all the way into the NCAA tournament. Um, but hasn't necessarily been a, a place where many of their guys have much experience. You're, you're looking at Jeff Doughton, Christian Thompson, Cyril Landervine, Fats Russell. Those guys have played in and won road games in the Atlantic 10. They've gone 7-2 and two each of the last two years mm-hmm. away from the Ryan Center. But this younger group, you wonder how they're going to react in a true road game, even if it is against a team that's struggling, Kevin. You know as well as I do that conference play is an entirely different kettle of fish. So is conference play on the road. Yes. Uh, totally different. It was funny. John Fanta from the Big East was in town uh, the last two days, and I, we had, had this discussion before Providence's game last night, and he said, you know, what do you think about the league? And we're going back and forth. And I said, you got to understand, John, 
people don't lose many games at home. If you're a decent team in college basketball, you win home games and you struggle to win on the road. The good ones can do a little bit of both, and they're in the NCAA tournament easy. Uh, that's going to be Rhode Island's trick is to not only protect its home court, and obviously they've been very good at the Ryan Center for a few years now, uh, but this is a different group group of cats, so I, I'm not going to you know assume anything. On the road, we'll see how many they can get. You know, they have nine, they'll have nine chances in the league, and if they can get three, four, that's really good, and people don't appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's you know what they did the last two years. You got to throw it out. It's it's just not very common. Yep. Teams don't go fourteen and four on the road in, in conference play. Even really good teams. Hmm. You know, like you're looking at the Dukes of the world, or you know the Kentuckys of the world. They still go to Mississippi State or Boston College. Boston College, lose. exactly. Like, you know, things happen. Duke annually has a struggle with Florida State, where they tend to lose on the road, and, and that was back when Florida State wasn't really very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they were to lose to them now, it wouldn't really be a surprise. Um, you know, but you look at Rhodey's schedule. You come right out with St. Louis and Richmond. You have George Mason and St. Bonaventure at home. Then you play at LaSalle, VCU home, at UMass, at Duquesne. There are there are games there that you're going to be favored to win. Actually, Ken Palm favors you to win six of them. They think you'll be six and two, seven and two through St. Louis the second time, which would be the first half of the schedule. So seven and two, but how, how many road wins? Exactly. That's that's you quite know, that's a few. He's, he's got there. I, he's I'm, got I'm not them, ready to sign on to those just yet. He's got them beating Richmond on the road, LaSalle on the road, uh, Duquesne on the road. None of those okay. are going to be easy. I think Duquesne is, is a dangerous team. A couple of years ago, they beat Duquesne by a point on mm-hmm. a Jared Terrell free throw with about four seconds left. Mm-hmm. And that was a really good Rhode Island team, a, a team that you felt was going to contend at the top of the league. Uh, you know, So I, I would just say they have put themselves, beating West Virginia, they've put themselves into a really good position in terms of how they should feel about themselves and, and how the fan base should feel about them. They've really shown some signs of encouragement here, and it's up to them to continue that into Hawaii. I think uh, when we come back here next week sometime at a undisclosed time because it's a holiday week, I couldn't tell you when we're going to do it, but we will reconvene. Uh, I think we'll know a lot more about the Rams because their three games in Hawaii uh, you know, are going to reveal even more, especially if... Oh, we get to see them against TCU and, and maybe even in a, in a championship game uh, situation. Right. Uh, circle back to the Friars a little bit here, and you got your trusty computer there with uh, Ken Palmer. I, I, lo- I do. love you to call up the Texas Longhorns, who've had a really interesting year. Um, early on, they're in a, a tournament, a neutral court game, and they beat North Carolina, which is looking like one of the 10 best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And then they go home, and they lose back-to-back games to, it was it Radford? Radford. Radford and, and Virginia Commonwealth. And VCU. And then they turn around and, and kill the next two opponents, and neither one uh, world beaters. Was it Gardner-Webb? Uh, they beat Purdue by four, and then Grand Canyon by 38. Grand Canyon. And Grand Canyon is supposed to be actually decent. Uh, I, but, I, I wouldn't be doing that to Dan Marley. No, that's right. He might want to jump in the ballgame. Uh, yeah. yeah. But the, the thing that jumps out at me about Texas, who, again, Providence plays on Friday night, uh, they're in the top 10 or 12 in, in adjusted defense. Defense are 9 in the country, 91.5 yeah. points per 100 possessions. So are we saying the Fries are going to have some trouble scoring? Well, just about everyone that, that uh, VCU has played outside of North Carolina uh, has struggled scoring. Um, you know, Michigan State had 78 points in a win. Uh, you know, Purdue, 
who is a really good team who mm-hmm. a lot of people feel like can win the Big Ten and only scored 68 points uh, in that game, a 72-68 loss. Uh, and obviously, if Texas is going to start scoring, uh, you know, they had 92 against North Carolina, 98 against Grand Canyon. If they ever find out a way to play on that end of the floor, they're 74 in adjusted offense. Um but not great from the three. They're only 32.9%. So you figure they're not going to get anything easy. It has to be physical and and inside and maybe off turnovers. And, you know, that could give the Friars an opportunity um, because traditionally Ed Cooley's teams have been pretty good at defending the three. And rebounding. Yes. And if they're able to suffocate them on the perimeter, you know, they might be able to have some extended stretches where Texas isn't able to score and Providence could capitalize at the other end. So obviously a, a really important opportunity for Providence uh, at Texas, uh, the Friars at 9-3. and three. Uh, Sounds good, but th- there's some serious holes in their resume thus far with uh, a loss to a Wichita State team, which is uh, average uh, at, at best right now in the American uh, Conference. They, they will not sniff the top 25 like they did the last several years. Um, and then there are other, you know, obviously a crushing loss at home to Massachusetts, which is a middling uh, Massachusetts team. I, I can't see them in the top, you know, six or seven of the Atlantic Ten. Uh, so those two losses to make up for, you know, losses like that, uh, a road win at Texas would look really good, needless to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, w- we'll see. Um, my guess is the Friars will go in as a four to six point underdog, um, but we'll find out. And, and then they come home. And really, two huge, important games. You'd hate to say that about the first two games of the Big East season, but home games are important, and they play Creighton and Villanova. And, you know, both of those teams, I think, are going to be really good by the end of the year, but they're young, and they've played a lot of really good teams, maybe the two best non-conference schedules among the Big East teams thus far. Creighton last night lost to Oklahoma. Uh, I believe that may have been then final non-conference game. Maybe they play another one this weekend. Uh, and then Villanova, you know, it seems like they're on TV every every night. Uh, they actually played Dan Hurley in Connecticut this weekend to uh, wrap up their non-conference. So uh, the Friars with two, but they're the young teams, both Creighton and Villanova. Uh, Providence has them at home. Uh, maybe an opportunity to, you know, grab two and get off on, on the right foot. Well, the, the biggest thing you mentioned there, obviously, is, is opportunity. Uh, you know, it's something that Rhode Island – Needs, uh, you know, they need results to go their way in Hawaii to mm. play those extra two top seventy teams. Providence, that won't be an issue. Out of their nineteen remaining games, um, sorry, out of their seventeen, no, nineteen. I was right. Uh, out of their nineteen, 19 yes. remaining games, seventeen are against the Ken Palm top one hundred. The only two that are not are against Georgetown, and they're at one hundred five. Right, they, they could certainly play their way into the top 100 yeah those those will fluctuate obviously and it's very early it's it's probably too early you know for this to be all that reliable it it will shake out over the course of the year but that gives you a an indicator of of what sort of schedule they have coming up here uh you know texas creighton and villanova are all top 40 games and you know if if you were able to win at texas and start 2-0 in the big east uh you know going to georgetown That'd be a really nice cushion going in the rest of the schedule. Yeah, and uh, we're also going to kind of monitor the return of A.J. Reeves here, who's uh, you know, the second-leading scorer, top three-point shooter. Uh, does not have a stress fracture, does not even have a mild stress fracture. They say he just has foot soreness, so it certainly can develop into that. Mm-hmm. So they're being leery about this, uh, you know, really, you know, uh, 
cautionary. As they should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only as a freshman, but this time of the year, just, you know, back off a little bit. Uh, they have a week off. They have a strange bye after those first two Big East games. So that buys AJ an extra week without losing any games. So in theory, he could be back by the time the Friars go on the road for the first time at Georgetown. So, uh, again, we'll monitor that situation for you and see where it stands. But, uh, Bill, that's it. That's all we got. It's time to go shopping. Uh, I, I, I know we promised big things last week on the podcast on the shopping front. I've done none. Nothing? Nothing. Really? Nothing. I have a, I have a December 20th date that I usually wait. I shop after December 20th. Okay. It's just, you know, it's just kind of a thing. But you have a plan, it sounds like. I have a, mi- a minimal list. A minimal list. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Only, only three. I have three people. Uh, how many do you have? Um, I've, well, maybe, maybe a couple more, but it, it doesn't get much past five. Well, I it, guess you could say. No gifts for me. Give them to Bill Corey. Maybe Whitman Littlefield, whoever wants to help us with the podcast, they deserve all the gifts. Well, that that very yes, very much true. As Whitman is laughing in the background here, yes, Merry Merry Christmas, everybody. We will be back uh, after uh, Santa arrives. Yeah, Happy holidays, all. This podcast is a production of the Providence Journal. Online at providencejournal.com. dot